0: Okay, so picture yourself at a basketball game, all right? Stick with me on this. There's a great player dribbling and just kind of sizing up the scene from outside the arc, looking around, seeing what's there, checking out the feet of the guy in front of him, figuring out what he's going to do next. One of his teammates pops back to make himself available for a pass. That can't happen. With Eric Carlson. Again, stick with me on this, all right? Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates in the same place that you found this. A couple nights ago in that loss to Chicago, one of the things that stood out for me were several examples Of his teammates, not his coaches, but his teammates on the ice not knowing what to do with this truly great player and treating him, in fact, as if he was just some other dude who showed up and had a stick and an equipment bag. As it is, Carlson has expectations of his teammates to be very direct to be selfish and to just go about their business but get him the puck and let him conduct the orchestra first example and this is the basketball one carlson had the puck at the right point regular old five on five shift the third line's out there so you're not necessarily thinking you know there's going to be all kinds of beautiful stuff that happens Carlson adjusts. Carlson creates offense out of literal nothingness. In fact, if you go back over Carlson's 101-point season that he just had in San Jose, most of the offense that he created was created for guys who are essentially third and fourth liners. He's actually really good at that. The catch is you've got to trust him. You've got to trust that he's a great player. So on this shift, Carlson has it at the right point, and both Noel Chari and Drew O'Connor come back to Carlson like to help him out, to offer him support, to offer him an outlet valve, a little pass in case he gets into trouble. Well, he doesn't get into trouble. He's either going to deke whoever it is that comes at him from Chicago out of his hockey shorts— Or he's going to find a way to get it through that guy to the net and create not secondary offense, but instant offense. He's the primary assist guy. He will find a way to navigate his way through this. He didn't need, and I'm sure he didn't want, either of those two coming back to him. So what did he do instead? Well, he just kind of dumped it softly down the right boards and it went winding behind the net. And because Lars Eller, the only forward on the rink who had done the right thing in that situation, which is to go to the front of the net and wait for Carlson to feed you, Eller didn't have time to get back behind the net for the little rap that he did. He doesn't need your help. Go somewhere where you can score a goal or get a rebound. He'll take care of you. This will come. This will come in time, and it won't just be behind the Sidney Crosby line or behind the Evgeny Malkin line. This will be everyone. You will see Carlson create offense for everyone. Another example comes on the power play, and it's not nearly as specific. Plain and simple, the rest of the guys on the rink just didn't utilize Carlson. It's as if he wasn't there. There really wasn't much of an umbrella formation. There really wasn't anybody coming close to quarterbacking the process. Now, in fairness, there were only two power play opportunities, and the Hawks were uncommonly aggressive with the way they approached it. They were really pressuring the puck, and that tends to do away with things just following X's and O's you're going to have a better chance of, uh, of applying the Pittsburgh type of power play uh, against a more passive setup. But they didn't use Carlson at all. Every once in a while, he would touch the puck. One time, he got it on the left boards, left point, but way over by the boards, and just deked the living crap out of some dude over there. Chicago, number 70. I don't remember the number. Cole Gutman, that's who it was, a guy who ended up scoring a goal later. Just completely obliterated him. Cut to the inside, had a golden opportunity to beat Peter Morazek, and Morazek beat him with a great glove save. No rebound, even. But that's what I mean by Carlson just escaping trouble. He'll, he'll take care of anything at all that's needed in that zone, but you gotta trust him. And the Penguins just didn't even feed him. They acted like this was the same power play from last season. And there's a new guy, that's all. And they basically treated him as a right point man. And I mean this with all proper context and respect. They treated him as if he was Chris Letang. And Letang, look, God bless him. He's had a brilliant career of his own. And he's actually a much better power play guy than what I think local fans will give him credit for. But he's not Carlson, not offensively. And he's got to be the one who's running that power play. You got the guy. Now use him. When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from Jake, who says DK, the Wednesday episode talked me off the cliff about the Penguins being faster, but. What about the problem of the opponent's puck possession in the Penguins' zone? Once the puck is in the Pittsburgh zone, it seems like that once the Blackhawks got possession, they couldn't. the Penguins couldn't get it back. And it leads to an adventure, which seemingly feels like minutes. This definitely felt a lot like last year. Are you able to talk me off this cliff? You know what, Jake? No. No, I don't think the Penguins are... a good, much less great, defensive team. I don't think the Penguins are ever going to do particularly well whenever the other team establishes clear possession in the defensive zone. And taking that further, I don't know that Mike Sullivan expects it either. What Sullivan wants and what he spoke about after the game, and I agree with him completely, is that players weren't marked. In the defensive zone, if you look at the way the Hawks scored, and I'm kind of taking away that last one, the the Jason Dickinson goal, the, the, the winner, because it was such a broken play. Yeah, the puck came free to Dickinson, and yeah, he was wide open when he shot it through Tristan Jari, but there wasn't some breakdown there. What happened is what you're describing, which is that the Hawks had sustained pressure. Jari brought up after the game that the Hawks had a clear mission in his mind of working the puck in deep and then just kind of wearing down the Penguins. Well, that's going to be the scouting report. That's not new. That's not unique to Chicago. You're going to see the same thing in Washington tomorrow night. You're going to see the same thing from Calgary here the following night. They're going to want to work down below the goal line in the Pittsburgh end. And that's why you keep coming back to the Penguins' best defense is going to be their offense. And the way they control the puck and command the puck with poise, with precision, through the neutral zone, into the offensive zone, and then have their own sustained periods. This game, in general, hockey, isn't all that complicated If you've got time of possession, you're probably going to create more shooting attempts, more shooting attempts, you're probably going to end up creating more goals, more goals, you've got a really good chance of winning. And that's what has to happen with this group. Defensively, yeah, they can be a lot more responsible, a lot more diligent, but I don't know that they're going to be great at rubbing the other team off the puck. I don't know that that's going to change. I appreciate the question, and I hope you have all kinds of fun on that ledge, my man.